Well, good morning. morning. It's great to see you today. This is the 1030 service, right? For me, it's a 1030 service. I don't know what the next one is, but it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us here uh, for worship here at NatNaz. If you're a visitor, man, we just would love to connect with you. And if if you live in the area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us each Sunday as we meet and become a part of this community. I tell you, probably one of the most asked questions in our minds or in our lives is simply this simple question. Does it work? Does it work? Right? Um, I think maybe even more so we're obsessed with this in so many different ways in our culture. Um, because we have options now, and, and uh, we kind of truly have become more consumerist in, or consumer-driven than any other culture ever. So we're looking at one, two, and three, and, well, what works better? Does this work for what I'm trying to do? Does it work? Like for me, I'm thinking right now, I'm still debating. I, I saw it the other day. Again, I see that infomercial often, and I I, uh, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but uh, the my pillow. Have you guys anybody done the my pillow? Okay, so you have the so you have the so you have the uh, my pillow. What's the next question that you and I would ask if somebody has the my pillow? Does it work? Right? Does it work, or is it real? Does it really work, or is it real? That's the question we're always asking, always wanting to know. So for three weeks, we kind of tackled this word, especially undeniable. Now, when you say the word undeniable, I mean, you're saying you're making some pretty strong claims, right? In fact, the word undeniable, if you look it up, it is unable to be denied or disputed, the undisputed truths or undisputed statements, or I like these things, it's beyond doubt, it's beyond question. And that's what we've been trying to present these last three weeks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's undeniable, it's beyond question, it's beyond doubt. So we took a moment to, uh, to kind of take this phrase to, to, uh, to, to help us center in on what, what's undeniable about it. And we've said this over and over and I probably will be saying this 10 years from now because I've said it so often. But this phrase is, the resurrection is an undeniable fact formed by an undeniable design that leads to an undeniable reality. Undeniable fact. Spent a week talking about that. Could have spent a month talking about that. Could have spent a year um, but it would have got really boring too, you know, because we're just absolutely proving this one thing, the undeniable fact, the resurrection is the most proven fact in the history of the world. By their, by their standards, by anybody's standards, man, this happened, it's documented, just like I believe Abraham Lincoln lived, died. I never saw the guy, but I believe because of eyewitnesses and the, 
the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is more documented than any other ancient event in the history of the world. There's also the, un, the, the, the ways that we believe something is, what did it do to people's lives around them? What did they do? Did they, how did they act off of these claims? And it's undeniable what happened with the disciples and all these people and, and us today. Do you realize millions and millions and millions of people are coming and worshiping a big lie if this didn't happen today? It's the biggest hoax ever in the history of the world. As billions, I would say billions today, celebrate Easter. It's a fact, undeniable, beyond doubt, beyond question. He did this. Amen. Spent some time reminding ourselves of that. We would say this, since Jesus was resurrected, he is who he said he was. And if he is who he said he was, then everything he said is true. And this becomes something that affects each and every one of us. Because the claims he made and the things he said, he left himself no margin for error, no room to wiggle, no loophole to get out of. He literally, everything he said, it was so bold and it was so, wow, you said that? That's who you claim? That's what you say you're going to do? And then he pays it off. He makes it all real. He validates it by this event this day that we celebrate, the resurrection, makes it all valid. Undeniable fact. We took a little bit of time to see, you know what, if I'm going to understand the scriptures and, and if you're saying this is the big deal and this is the big event and um, obviously this is our, you know, our Sunday every year that we really celebrate, then where is the scripture talk about it? And we see that actually, you know what? There's an undeniable design that runs all through scripture. In fact, take the scriptures and as you're trying to understand them, as you're reading through Numbers and Leviticus, and you probably avoid that, you know, like probably I do sometimes, but all those stories and all those sacrifices and all those rituals and all those things that we don't even do anymore. And we, what is it pointing? It's pointing to one thing. It's unmistakable. The design of all of that is pointing to this one event, this one day, a resurrected Messiah. Undeniable design. Can't walk away from the scriptures and say, you know what? That all fits. That all worked together. I see it now when I've read the last chapter, the last page. I see exactly what was going on throughout. Undeniable in its design. But I want to just take some moments today and tell you that beyond the fact and beyond the design, beyond the reality of it happening and beyond the why of it happening and all that, I want to to say that there's an even deeper thing going on here. What this day means, more than us just coming to celebrate a historical event and to marvel at God's wonderful design. You see, I would say this, the undeniable reality is this. The resurrection is the catalyst for a changed life. It's the catalyst, it's the fuel, it's the source, it's the energy, it's the spark, it's the igniter for what truly God wants to do with mankind, with his creation. The resurrection is that. You know, I would just simply say it in this way. 
The story of the New Testament is people being changed by resurrection power. Think with me for a moment, right? Think about that guy, Peter. We're, we're introduced to him early. We know a lot about his life, right? We see this guy who follows Jesus, who, um, but we see his life as something that's uh, it's inconsistent. I mean, he'll walk on water. <sighs> he'll make bold claims. And then he'll run and hide when the pressure gets too hot. It's like it's a yo-yo. His life is just inconsistent. So much potential, but yet so many flaws. That's Peter before the resurrection. But you know, Peter after the resurrection is a vastly changed man. In fact, he's the guy who's willing to stand up and be the front and center um, personality of the church. Complete change from inconsistent to consistent. Think with me about um, John. We all know John. He wrote some books in the New Testament, right? I'm just taking guys who are authors in the New Testament, people we recognize. Think about John. He was called a son of thunder. And, and, and that wasn't a, it wasn't really a good nickname. He was judgmental. He was manipulative. Remember? He even got his mom in on the scheme to try to, to, uh, to make sure that if Jesus was going to set up a kingdom right now, he was going to be the guy who was like in a position of power. He was manipulative. He was judgmental. He was all those things before the resurrection. But after the resurrection, he's actually just identified as one thing, the apostle of love. Judgmental's way gone. Manipulative, no way. He's not trying to stand on somebody, climb over somebody, manipulate anybody. He is simply known as the disciple of love, the apostle of love. Think about James. James is the guy who wrote that, that book in the New Testament, who actually was the brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus. Now, what's amazing is this guy never believed Jesus was who he said he was, never. Now, I gotta be honest, I can kind of identify with him there a little bit, right? Because if you had to grow up and be the brother of Jesus, you might have a little bit of resentment, right? The guy never did anything wrong, never got in trouble, never, you know, never got disciplined evidently, I, I, you know? I mean, I think you, you might not really wanna care about the guy either if you had to live in that kind of shadow or with that kind of brother. But for whatever reason, James could never buy into the fact that my older brother says he's the son of God. Yeah, right. We've been in the carpenter shop together. He's just, he's ordinary like me. Now he's, he, man, that guy is straight lay. I mean, he is straight A. He, he doesn't do anything wrong, but there's no way he's the Messiah. Never believed it. Until after the resurrection. Corinthians tells us that Jesus appeared to a lot of people, but he specifically appeared to James, his brother. 
And when he experienced the resurrected Lord, his life completely changed. From unbeliever to a pastor in the church of Jerusalem, to a pillar in the church, to one of the most influential voices of, of the early church and still the voice we, through God's spirit, and he was one of the guys we read still. From unbeliever to author in the New Testament. What happened? He experienced the resurrected Lord Jesus. You see, this whole story that's played out, this Jesus thing, you can't help as you read through the New Testament scriptures, you see people who follow him who completely change after they experience him in his resurrected uh, position. You see people who didn't even believe in him changed by the resurrected Lord. Remember that guy, Paul? Paul, who actually persecutes the church, hates the church, fights against God. One experience with the resurrected Lord on a road to Damascus, and all of a sudden he is totally flipped. And that's what I want us to grab onto today. That's what Easter in its bigger context is about. It's yes, he did it, and yes, he planned it, but guess what? It's pointing to this, this undeniable reality that he did it for one reason, and that is to come into individual hearts and lives and completely change them from this mess, this brokenness that we've created. He has now the power to flip all of that. It's an undeniable reality. It's what he does. It's why he came. In fact, here's a few more stories of what he does. So I grew up learning about God and I would have always claimed to have been a Christian. I had scripture hanging in my bedroom. I prayed every night before going to bed. I went to church every once in a while. I believe Jesus died on the cross to save me. Um, however, it's almost like I took that as a free pass to living however I wanted, knowing, well, it doesn't matter, like I'm forgiven anyways, type of deal. From the outside, you would never have guessed by looking at the way I lived my life that I claimed to be a Christian. Um, from the language I used, the clothes I wore, the people I hung around with, um, what I spent my time doing, partying, drinking a lot. And when I was about 19, I realized I was just in a really bad place and didn't want to keep on like I had been. Um, however, I just didn't really know how to get out of it. And so I started just asking God to take that desire away. If, if that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing, um, God, please take that desire away from me. Help that to not be what I want to be doing. So I grew up going to church every week, more so because we were made to and less because I actually had a desire to go. Probably for that reason, when I got to college, I just stopped going altogether. As I got further into college, I realized I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I lacked purpose and direction and identity, and I tried to fill that void with other avenues. Got into partying pretty heavy, was drinking heavily, got involved with drugs. I was in and out of unhealthy relationships. Um, life just sort of took a real fast downward spiral. I was also playing intramural football at that time and ripped up my ACL pretty good in the game which led to having to have a reconstruction surgery. Um, 
because of that, I had to go home because I couldn't really take care of myself. I was pretty immobile. To describe myself before Christ and before I was a Christian, I would say that I was a religious person. Um, you know, I grew up going to church, grew up praying, um, but didn't really know God. And I saw religion as a way to know God. And if you did X, Y, Z, um, then you were in right standing with God. And I always knew that deep down something was missing and that there was a missing puzzle, but I wasn't quite sure um, what that was. Again, I found my worth and my acceptance through my performance of what I could do and if I just did X, Y, Z. And if at the end of the day, that the good outweighed the bad, um, we were good to go and my relationship with God was fine. I was raised in the church. I uh, went to a parochial school, so I knew who Jesus was and knew who God was, the Holy Spirit. I had all the basics, lived by the Ten Commandments. Just living life basically good. Started dating a cute little blonde and started taking me to church. I enjoyed that. It was a different type of preaching, different style of uh, thinking. But it wasn't long and I felt something tinging at my heart that you knew who God is, but do you really know God? Well, a few months later, I found myself, you know, I would rather maybe have my nieces and nephew over to watch a movie on Saturday night instead of going out at all. Um, or I wanted to be home early so that I could be ready to go to church the next morning. However, I still felt a lot of shame and guilt to my past, almost like it was too bad um, to be fitting in with the people that I was seeing at church. Uh, and then a friend shared with me um, scripture out of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is explaining you know it's it's the sick people that need a doctor not the healthy people and likewise he came for those who call themselves sinners who know that they are sinners not who think they are righteous and that really clicked with me it really resonated with me okay um, sinners like me that's the whole point of Jesus coming in the first place so when I really understood that, there were a lot of tears that night. I was just completely overwhelmed by God's grace and forgiveness and knowing that it was grace for me too to experience and that he really could wipe that past clean and get a fresh start on a new life. And while I was at home, my parents invited me to go to this revival service. I didn't really want to go, but I was bored of sitting on the couch, so I went. And I went with the intention of not really engaging in the service at all, but. And in the middle of the service, during the worship song, I Will Rise, God grabbed hold of my heart, got my attention, and I just broke down, lost it. I buried my head in my arms in an attempt to hide the fact that I was crying, and it was then that I felt someone come over and put their arms around me and just say, hey, everything's gonna be all right now. Um, I looked up to see who it was, and there was no one within 20 feet of me. I can't really explain it other than God literally put his arms around me and pulled me out of the mess I had made. And it wasn't until I was 17 years old, one night in my room, I was talking to a friend on the phone and we were talking about, you know, what high school students talk about, school and sports and homework. And before I knew it, we started talking about the Bible and about spiritual things and about eternal life. And that's when the battle began between my head and my heart um, of what I thought was true and what I've always kind of believed versus this is what the Bible says, and this is what the gospel is. So just very simply, he shared the gospel with me. And I got off the phone um, with him that night, and I was looking up scriptures, and I was flipping through my Bible, looking up some verses, and 
I came across Ephesians 2, chapter 8, um, where it says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. And that was just the, the verse I needed to hear, that it was nothing I could do um, to make my relationship with, with God in right standing. It was through the work on the cross and not anything that I have done or any type of performance um, I could do to earn his favor and his love. But it was through Christ's work on the cross that... Um, I could be made right with God. And um, I remember just crying out to God that night and praying for him to forgive me. And, and, and then I knew I had a sin problem or before I didn't even realize I had a sin problem. And so I just prayed for him to make me a new person and to forgive me and um, just to, to, start, to start anew. And that's when things started to click. Things started to make a little more sense as far as uh, there's more to knowing who God is than just, a, you know, God in the Bible. Um, and then again, it, it, it finally came to a realization that I needed to have Christ as somebody that was personal to me. And at that point, I asked Christ to forgive me for the knowledge that I was lacking, the things that I really needed to apply to my life. So it was, it was an awakening. And from that aspect, everything just changed. Since then, my life has changed so drastically that there really is no other explanation to know that God just worked a miracle. Um, and not just what I spend my time doing, but just even the thoughts that come to my mind, my convictions, um, you just really, you know, cleanse that past away. Um, it's kind of funny because Nick, my husband, didn't know me then, so when I every once in a while will share stories with him about that, and he just kind of shakes his head and it's like, I don't understand how that could even be possible. And um, I just kind of say, you know, praise God that you can't understand that. And just really goes to show um, what a change he has worked in me. And um, there's really not a day that goes by that I'm not very aware of that and just very, very grateful for that. It really wasn't until college um, that I really started to grow my faith and become more grounded. Um, when the ministry I, I started um, started participating in they gave you a mentor and a discipler so basically for four years of college during those crucial years I had two women very um, wise older women who spoke into my life who kind of walked alongside of me and um, taught me how to study the Bible and um, that's when I, I, I you know totally started to discover my identity and the, the purpose God had for me just because you're getting older you feel like you don't have any more identity issues, but that's something I have to lay down daily, that my identity is not rooted in what I can do and how I, well I can perform, but it is rooted in Christ's work on the cross. I had a different outlook on life, different outlook on people, and love them, uh, like Christ loves us, um, because Christ didn't have to do that for us, and that made a difference in my life to, to realize that, and I need to, needed to portray that to other, others as well. I've never regretted that decision, and I love just the aspect of living for Christ, for what He's done for me and what He's done for my family. That's pretty much where I'm at, and I apply Christ, I try and apply Christ to every aspect of my life, um, through my thinking, through my actions. I try and portray that to the best of my ability, and hopefully that makes a difference in other lives as well. The really neat part about that is that my desire for the partying, the drinking, everything is just gone right there. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I ended up moving back home, uh, got involved with that church and sort of got life straightened out and started heading down a productive path. It's not always perfect, but 
It's definitely a lot better than what it was. Uh, that night, thankfully, I got to witness God's undeniable power to change a life. Thankful it was mine. See, this is, this is the story that Easter's pointing to. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same one, what this event was all about that we celebrate, is the same spirit that wants to live in you and lives in you. And that's Easter's reality. Easter's reality is changed lives, new life, a resurrected life. He rose, he lives, so that you and I can rise and we can live. Just remember Jesus said these words, John 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. And you remember how he finished that? Do you believe this? And you know what? We can take time to talk about the fact, the undeniable fact. We can marvel at the undeniable design. But really, the reason why he did it all was for the undeniable reality of Christ in us. Or as Corinthians says, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. <laughs> and that's today why, man, when I come, I celebrate that he did it. I mar- I, I'm just in awe of the tomb. But really, it's all about the fact that he lives I live. Because he lives, I can live. Would you stand with me this morning as we finish, as the band comes and we sing, as we go? You know, it would be, uh, it would be unfortunate for us to do an Easter series, for us to talk about Easter and not talk about this reality. And I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't know everybody that's here. I don't know the story of your life. I don't know the details of your life. But I wanted to remind you again today that if you've come in and when I'm talking and you're watching these testimonies and you're seeing, wow, there's a difference. Those people are change. And you would honestly say, "I, I don't even know what that's about. I don't know what that is. I just want to remind you that... You can experience that, that Christ died and rose again for you. And maybe you've come this morning and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't realize that. I don't experience that. Well, I want to stand in your way and say, hey, you can. You can. Just open your heart to him. Acknowledge the fact that you've made a mess, that you being in control has has not worked out, and that sin has absolutely distorted your life. 
and realize and see that he's the one. In simple faith and trust, turn from yourself and turn to him. I want to invite you. You can do that even in our service as they sing. Maybe you just need to, where you're at, just open your heart to him. Because Easter is not about just a fact and just a cool design. But it was for you and for me. It was to become a reality for each and every one of us. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you, Lord, that it's not like we're going to a museum or something where we're talking about ancient things and it doesn't really have too much meaning in our life. Lord, what's happening here is the greatest, the ultimate reality that we right now can experience. And in fact, you created us to experience. And so, Father, we celebrate, we rejoice today. We open our hearts up in praise and adoration to you. But, Lord, maybe there's some here that couldn't do that because they don't know you. Would you help them to see and would you help them to know this is all about them, too. This is for them. And they can experience the resurrection power in their life and be changed from old to new. Thank you today. We have praise. We are overwhelmed. We pray all these things in Jesus' name for your sake.